Maiden Voyage. Here we go. At its core, insurance is investing in the future. There is insane amounts of money in the insurance game, especially if you're doing it right. I opened up an agency for them in 2008, like right when the market crashed. I just was like, I'll call anybody that will listen. And you got a cease and desist letter. I did. The pandemic for me was this ultimate marketing for small business. The way that they were willing to compensate me, you were like, Daniel, if you're that valuable to them, imagine how valuable you are to yourself. Well, everyone, welcome to the Risky Assets Podcast. My name is Charlie Deaver. I am one of the co-founders of Greyhawk Insurance. And I'm Daniel Clark, the other co-founder. And we are starting a podcast. This is going to be a channel about entrepreneurship, really, with uh, sprinkles of insurance in it. That is what we do. We are commercial, life, health, and personal uh, insurance agents and brokers. So yeah, we'll talk some uh, asset protection, uh, wealth management, things of that nature, and... uh, we just want this channel to be a resource for people who think of insurance as maybe a dirty word. We are here to change that. We know we do it at a high level and we think we provide a lot of value to you. So, you know, sit back, relax, enjoy. We're going to do an intro to us and Greyhawk and kind of what we're about. And then uh, hopefully some other podcasts with really cool people in the future. Well, why don't you tell us like how you got started in the industry, uh, what your background is there and um, sort of leading up to how we started Greyhawk. Uh, and then I'll do the same. Yeah. I mean, uh, for me, it's a funny story because um, like we talked about, insurance was something I chose, which is super rare. Uh, When I was looking at becoming an insurance agent, the average age was 56 years old. And I was like, these are just grandpas that I I know I'm going to be able to to outlast, so to speak. So I had a pretty significant ankle surgery and I was like, man, what am I going to do with my life? I was married and I was selling portable toilets, which is a story in and of itself. (laughs) But um yeah, for me, it was just, I was just starting to do the like, all right, do I want to do accounting? Do I want to do wealth management? And like a lot of that stuff just didn't speak to me personally. Mm. Um, I kind of wanted to do something that allowed me some free time. And I had a, a mentor at the time who was doing insurance and doing very well for himself. And he was yeah. involved at the church we were at. And um, well, so you were in sales. I wasn't, I mean, hey, I was yeah. selling portable toilets, yeah. right? So yeah. like for me, anything was up from there. But man, yeah, I was sitting there. I had my ankle up on my bed after a surgery and I was like, I'm going to do insurance. You know, it was just something that I had seen as a great opportunity, I thought, for the industry to change and be disrupted with someone younger. And that's kind of proven to be true. It, it is getting older and older. Uh, the average age is like 58 now for insurance agents. So like, man, I'm 32 and it's like, I'm just outlasting a lot of these cats right now. At that point, I went out, I got my license, I passed the test on crutches. From there, I went on a job hunt. That mentor who was at that Bible study ended up hiring me, which was honestly a huge blessing to me. And that was 10 years ago now. Wow. And uh, it's been a good road. And, you know, for me, uh, all the things that were said of sales is true. Like it was was a lot of hard work and I made a lot of great connections. And over time, those connections really grew. And that was kind of it for me. And like all the things that I thought 10 years ago for insurance have come true. And it's been a great lifestyle and I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. I think we're both here yeah. for the long haul. Yeah. Um, I have always been in sales from, uh, you know, from selling computers at Best Buy, uh, to selling, you know, burial plots at a, at a funeral home. We I've always have weird stories for <laughs> we the in-betweens. Do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I've always been in sales. I was working for the largest payroll company in the United States, ADP. Yeah. Good old ADP. And I was selling small business for them. Um, and my mom was working for a state farm agent. She's right. worked for a state farm agent for years and she didn't have direct deposit. So I was like, I should talk to this guy about direct deposit. I'm always trying to close deals. Yeah. And so I had an appointment with him 
And I sat down at the table with him. And I said, this is what it costs for direct deposit, tax filing, things like that. And then we got through the end of the presentation and he was like, okay, so if I buy this product, how much do you make? And I did some quick math and I was like, uh, probably a 150 bucks. And he goes, now, if I stay with the payroll company year over year, do you get paid that $150 again? I'm like, no. And he flat out looked at me and he was like, are you stupid? Yeah. And, and I was pretty taken back because I, I was making a good living. You know I mean? I was, so you thought I was knocking doors. Yeah. I was cold calling a lot, yep. but like the, I was holding down decent bucks, you yeah. know, from, from yeah. doing it. And he said, listen, you know, this is insurance agents build a snowball and this it's is a, a big boy annuity. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, this is a, you know, this is an overall lifestyle. He said every year I pretty much know guaranteed I'm going to make half a million bucks. Mm -hmm. And he goes, and then we grow beyond that. He's like, we get bonuses and things like that. But it, you know, this is a, this is a perpetual thing. It just keeps going. And, uh, he asked me if I'd be interested in taking the test to become a state farm agent. Um, and apparently like, 40% of the people that take it actually pass it. They're looking for a very specific personality profile. Oh, okay. So it's uh, not like a, like no, a written test. It's a personality test. Yes. Yeah. Got it. So I took the test, I passed it. And then it was about a year and a half later that something opened in one of the territories that I was looking for. And they called me. Um, I opened up an agency for them in 2008, like right when the market crashed, it was beautiful. How well we, yeah, that's poor that. timing. Um, how many years did you own that? Nine years. Nine years. So did it for nine years, had some success there. We traveled the world on State Farm's dollar, uh, qualified for their travel program, senior vice president's club, things of that nature. Made a lot of friends there. Yeah. And ultimately what it boiled down to was being a captive insurance agent, like for a company like State Farm, um, you have one option for your clients. And what it turned into was when when my clients either you know had claims and got insurance discontinued yeah. or they were no longer an appetite for State Farm, I had to look at people that I had done business with for so many years and say, hey, not only can you not be insured with this company anymore, but I can't be your insurance yeah. agent anymore. And so I started exploring the market of independent agency. Um, and then I landed at the agency that you were working at. Yep. I think that's a good kind of segue for us of like, hey, how did Greyhawk come to be? Um, you know, from from my perspective, I had been looking for ownership in the previous agency we were at for a while. I was driving a fair amount of the business through the door. It was definitely one of those things to where I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to have ownership. I wanted to have some influence. And um, over the years, that conversation of, hey, let me buy just never came to fruition. Yeah. Well, we both recognize that you know, it was a family owned and operated business. It was a family owned and operated business, which is great, and, which good. is fine. Yeah. And, and we're fine with business owners wanting to, you know, pass along their As assets, they everything that they, they build should. to totally. their children. We're totally, totally. fine with that. Yeah. It just became a point where we were pushing the plow really hard yeah. and we felt like it wasn't going, it wasn't going towards us. No, it wasn't. Way. And we just had, you know, conversations over the years because I think we saw the writing on the wall. We just kind of wanted it to not be true that we yeah. were going to be locked out from that you know, ownership structure, but, um, we had gone on a bonus trip yeah. to Arizona, Scottsdale, Scottsdale, yeah. Arizona, which again, we're huge golf nerds and, uh, I love going out there and playing. And so did our, our previous employer and some of our buddies there. And, um, that's how we did bonus trips, which was phenomenal. It was great. And, um, we so happened to play at a, a course called Greyhawk, uh, country club and, uh, it's phenomenal. Yeah. And we, and one of the rounds were together and we were just like, Hey man, look at us. Like we've, yeah. we've come a long way. It's a really cool bonus trip. And we had both had really, really, really good solid years. sales yeah. years yeah. as well. Um, and so we were both, you know, taking a look at what the, 
you know, what the future was looking like for us. It was over a hundred grand that year for each of us, right? Did you do like 140 yeah. or something yeah, like at, that? I was at 140,000 in new commissions right. that year. Which is a big year for a small agency, you know, yeah. that's doing really well. Yeah. No marketing budgets, right? It's just, just pushing the plow on our own. So yeah. it, it was a good year. Yeah. Developing referral sources, you know, writing new business. It, it was just, and, and really you're, you're working. I mean, you're, you know, you are. yeah, you're hustling for yeah. that. Yeah. And so we had discussed like, man, we should, if things don't pan out in the future the way we think we should, we should talk. In our final year there, I had gone and interviewed at a few different agencies yeah. and got a job offer that I was excited about from a large house that I was like, I can do this. I can work for these people. It's a different structure, but I feel like it's going to benefit me in the end. And you and I were such good friends. And I remember I walked into your yeah, office. This dude walks into my office and he was like, hey, man, I just I love I want to tell you I love you. And it's been really great working with you, but I'm going to take another job offer. And I literally went. <laughs> time out what well and you brought up the point because you know the way that they were willing to compensate me you were like daniel if you're that valuable to them yeah imagine how valuable to you yourself. are to yourself yeah um and it was really eye-opening uh, you know i had done business ownership for nine years and it wasn't something that i was really looking at getting back into unless i found a good partnership you know and somebody that i knew could outweigh my weaknesses our partnership makes sense for a lot of reasons and yeah. it's because we're so different yeah uh uh, I'm not the HR guy, <laughs> nor do you want me to be the HR guy. It's not that I'm mean. I'm just so to the point, like I am a producer. I am a type a, sure. I am very like, I cut it. Like I see it. Yeah. I'm not being mean. I'm just not sugarcoating. It doesn't work well with people who fold real easy with some pressure. Yeah. Um, so that's usually not a producer, right? Like, so right. I run the producing, I run the Hey, training for producers. I keep them accountable. I'm kind of a sales manager. Yeah. I mean, through and through you are a, a driver of yeah. business. Yeah. Uh, I would say creatively as well. Like sure. you're, you're always thinking of new ways to change, especially when it comes to technology and things like that. You're always looking at how do we drive the ship mm -hmm. forward? Mm -hmm. Um, and so, and then when it came to, to my abilities, it was like, I'm a lot more administrative. I'm a lot more relational in the sense that I can handle so good with people, you know, people with a, yeah, yeah with a soft touch figuring out, you know, what motivates them, what drives them. Mm -hmm. Um, and also, you know, what makes them feel secure in a job. Um, and then I'm happy to handle all of the, you know, borderline counseling things that come through the door of a business owner of, you know, here's what's going on in my life and all of that stuff. My, my office is a, is a safe place for that. So we can, <laughs> uh, you know, we talk through all of those things yeah. as well. And it's not that it's not for me. It's just not what I would want to do every single day, which it, it is for you. And, and that's a yeah. huge benefit. Well, to, and it's to us. A, quite frankly with Greyhawk, it's a, it's a waste of our, of our assets and our funds is like, we are, we are better prepared to attack the market um, with you driving the ship on sales and me managing staff. Like yeah. that's just, you know, yeah, that's kind of how we've cut things. And you know, uh, someone who I've kind of looked up to is Ryan Pineda. He talked about having like an operator and an integrator. Yeah. And it was before we even heard that term, we were like, Oh, Hey, look, we did it right. Yeah. This is <laughs> like, us. This yeah, is us through and through. Yeah. Through the pandemic, I've had this, you know, big, I don't want to say realization, but the pandemic for me was this ultimate marketing for small business because all the big businesses squeeze their employees like no end they're gonna make you do this make you do that you can't do this you can't do that yeah and i was like man why would you do that go work for a small business you're valuable obviously you have a good job for a big company you have skills go do it somewhere where it's small and they won't squeeze you like that yeah and that to me still rings true i think small business if you want to live a life you want to live it's the place to do it and uh so i was looking at you i'm like don't go to the big business yeah go to the small guy be the be your own boss it will work out in the end, especially because of the skill sets that we know we had. Yeah. And insurance, it, it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. I mean, you look at Warren Buffett, you look at all these people in insurance, there is insane amounts of money in the insurance game, especially if you're doing it right. 
And there's kind of a blueprint for that. And again, we're going to talk more about that in the future. Yeah, but like for sure. Selling auto and homes not going to make you rich, but being a entrepreneur with other entrepreneurs is kind of how I best want to describe it. Yeah. It's where it's at. You provide huge amounts of value to them and you make good money. Yeah. And you renewal. Scale, renewals you know, is, is yeah. huge for us too, right? Like it pays you again as long as you keep doing a good job. It's yeah. fantastic. And you scale, you hire good producers. Those are things, yeah. you know, over time. It, it really is a matter of building with the right people totally. as well. Another good segue for us, like how have you built your business, right? And like we've talked about it a lot, but for people who are watching, like what have you done well? What has gotten you to where you're at today? Yeah, I think I was trained in the sense of, you know, cold calling, door knocking was, you know, was a big part of sales. And, and I agree that it can be. And if you do those things in large volumes, then you're going to get large numbers out of it. No, you know, no doubt about it. Totally. I started going a different direction in marketing to centers of influence. Um, in this case, I used all of my old uh, friendships and relationships from State Farm and you know, we'll work on the things that they send into me. Uh, we don't work on other lines. We, you know, we'll notate the system so that even our staff knows like, Hey, I can't talk to this client about these different totally. products. And you're not a fox in the hen house, right. which is huge for them to understand. They can trust someone that won't poach their business. Yeah. If that client contacts anybody another, else, yeah, another broker yep. and they're, you know, that broker is instantly salivating over the opportunity to write everything else that's with a state farm agent, which is what we do. Right. We're gonna go tackle yeah, all if it's of not it. referred to us, absolutely. We're gonna tackle all of it. So absolutely. Just what everyone does. And so the opportunity for a state farm agent to refer me and know that we're essentially closing the back door of their business and that the client lines that they currently have with them are safe and that we're not gonna huge be, value to them. Yeah, we're not gonna impede upon them in that regard. And um, we've always talked, we wanna be a collaborative competitor. So like we wanna work with people and this is a great opportunity to do that. We just feel like if you're doing the right thing, the money will come, right? Yes. And like, we've just said, hey, we can partner with you. It's easier to partner with people than compete with them, to be honest, Yeah. Uh, for how we see it. Now, we compete all the time, mm -hmm. but partnering is so nice Yeah. Uh, with these state farm farmers, all state people. It's, it's been phenomenal. Well, and some of those clients have asked us, you know, hey, I've got these other lines with this state farm agent. Can you, you know, can you quote these as well? My answer is absolutely Always not. No. Yeah. Because I would rather lose the client on day one than lose a really solid referral source. I work with over 50 of them in it's the state. Yeah. You've really built that out. You're continuing to grow it. We visit a lot of uh, state farm agencies. We've partnered with farmers and all state yeah. guys. We just see it as a great yeah. place and, to help. And what that has made me is uh, sort of a catch-all for a lot of uh, a lot of risky opportunities. So risky. You know, people yeah. that people that have a hard time finding insurance in other places. A lot of distressed workers comp, like people that have a lot of pain, a lot of, a lot of claims, you know, a lot mod. of claims. Yep. Yep. Lots of, lots of difficulties in that regard. And so it's sort of made us a, um, a landing place for those people. Um, I write a lot of security guard firms. Yep. Um, we do some stuff in, uh, in sanitation and then we've recently gotten more into uh, Turo as yeah. well, which has yeah. been really fun because, um, you know, you get people that are doing the, the self rental thing, like an Airbnb style for totally. cars. It is. Yeah. And it's, um, it's been great, which is a really unique space and we have a really good program for it. So it's been fun to explore. Yeah, It's it made you, level. I think over the years too, since I've been a broker, you've had to be more creative because state farm is very like you do what you do. Yeah. And then you having to get all these leads that are foreign to you. Yeah. You've had to get way more creative, learn the markets. And then on my end, I used to sell those portable toilets. I used to rent them yeah. on top of it to the entertainment industry, which is a fun gig, to be honest. You're around a lot of cool people, a lot of cool things. You don't sleep a lot. You know, it's production. So <laughs> I'd be getting calls at three o'clock in the morning like, hey, man, we needed this or this. And it was it was kind <laughs> of a, know that. Oh, it was a tough game. When I got into insurance, I was like, you know, I worked with all these people in the entertainment industry who are renting in different capacities. And I was like, I wonder if I called them back if they would work with yeah, me. Yeah, how it would hit. Yeah. And Boy, that's that's been my bread and butter. Those are my people. And I say that when I talk to someone new in the entertainment industry who's renting uh, equipment to the 
you know, productions. I said, like, you're my people. And I, I mean it. Like, yeah. I, I've lived that life for two years. And I know what it's like to rent to the production industry. I know what it's like to be all over the place. I know what it's like to be in traffic and try and deliver stuff. Yeah. A lot of stress in that, in that industry and field. So anyway, I found entertainment programs that were built for this kind of thing and just let it go. Yeah. I just was like, I'll call anybody that will listen. Yeah. And um, my first account was my largest account for five years. Yeah. So um, they've now sold and that company sold for a little over 200 million and they did really well. That Boy, was howdy. my first account. <laughs> and I remember sitting there at this breakfast place and I'm like, God above, please just don't let this go bad, you know? And um, they, I knew he was gonna be big. It was very obvious that people knew who this guy was. And yeah. um, was that just a cold call? Well, like, again, I had been working with them because they were oh, sub renting. So that, that was somebody that you had worked with. Okay. I, yeah. And they okay. were like, you know what? Sure. Yeah. Like, quote us. Let's see how it goes. And um, I did. We're at his breakfast spot in Burbank. And I remember it was husband and wife. I had gone off of a lot of information. The wife had told me about the business, quoted it. Husband goes, that's half of the amount of coverage we need for a certain line of business. And I was like, oh. <laughs> And because I was so scared of screwing up, I put the underwriter on blast saying, I'm going to be in this meeting from 11 to 12. Please just sit next to your cell phone if something goes wrong. Yeah. Right there in front of him, I picked up the phone. I was like, yo, Carlos, I need you to double this coverage. And I basically can't let you, you can't move the price. And he was like, I'll send it to you in five minutes. And that was how I got that account. Wow. So I remember that being a ballsy move on my part to just sit there and call because yeah. that could have gone poorly for me. Yeah. But it didn't. And then. From there, it exploded. The business yeah. exploded on me. Anybody would take my call. I'd say, hey, I'm working with this company, and here's what I did, and it was over. Yeah. And that's been my bread and butter now for like eight years. Well, and to the point where you became a huge threat for huge another threat. broker in the industry yeah. that was doing insurance, yeah. and you got a cease and desist letter. I did. I knew. <laughs> I got that you. letter. It scared me for a second. I'd never seen an attorney's letterhead before. Yeah. So I was like, what is this? And then I was like, wait can you do a cease and desist for, for taking too much business? I was like, I had no idea, but it was basically, they wanted to just scare me out. I was draining that business and I was getting the ears of a lot of people. Yeah. So I have large apartment schedules. Just getting into that helped me to learn it deeply. It was a complex account Yeah. and I fixed a lot of problems. I made it more simplistic. I made it more efficient, more cost-effective. And I just learned a ton from there. So well, anything property, I do really well. And because of that experience, I would say anything property Greyhawk does really well mm -hmm. because you've leveraged all of that experience yeah. into training our producers and yep. sales staff on how to write those things well, because there yeah. is a right way and a wrong way 100%. to do insurance. 100%. And for every one good brokerage, there's probably two to 300 really bad ones that just don't understand what they're doing, or they're simply paper pushers and they're taking direction and instruction from a client. They're not understanding doing, risk. And they're yeah, not understanding the, the exactly. whole Exactly, the they portfolio. don't know how to calculate it. They don't know how to uh, how to mitigate and how to help a client think about it yeah. in that regard. Well, it's kind of what I called you know Ryan Pineda, and I did the golf day with him, yeah. and I pitched him, hey, let's let's partner together because I know property so well, and all of your clients are people who are buying property. Yeah. So you know we've we're kind of in the infancy stages of that partnership, but it's because it's a, such a property driven program, and I can do something that we're efficient at. Yeah. And so uh, we know there's a lot of money to be made there, and it's a good partnership with there someone is. we you know, we like, he's another believer. So we're really love that. And yeah. we've chucked a ton of new business. Yeah. On the well, board. and we had, and I mean, the client response to Greyhawk has been, been phenomenal. Over, yeah, has been overwhelming been and phenomenal. really an affirmation of who we are as brokers and how we have handled our clients. Yeah. And I think for us, we need to get better at social media, which is part of the podcast, part of this. We want to connect with people. Um, there's just a lot of crap in the insurance industry yep. and we do want to make it known that like there's a lot of good agents and you just got to look in the right places and you got to yeah. hear the right things. Um, just like any kind of white collar, you need to hear the right things to know this person's legit. But why do you think that is 
like why why the stigma what's the you know what's the problem that we face as an industry so i think a lot of uh general terms are going to come out it's not like fully true of everybody but yeah. it's because it's there's really low barriers to entry right there's no degree needed it's not like a cpa exam it's not like a wealth manager we gotta get your series uh licenses insurance you got to do 52 hours you pass the test which is really not that hard no and then you can go and sell a fortune 500 company an insurance policy knowing next to nothing about yeah. how it functions so a lot of people get into it go hey everyone needs insurance which i hate yeah. as a concept i yeah. really hate that even though it is true, I just yeah. don't like that mindset. Yeah. And people go, oh, I'll just sling some insurance and it pays me every year. And you know, is, is a claim really gonna happen? And I think a lot of people just go, I'll go into it, I'll make easy money and it'll be great. And it's not that easy yep. uh, when you look at it. I've made the opinion that it needs to have a degree attached to it or something or a harder test, yeah. but it's not gonna happen. Yeah. There's no way it's gonna happen. Or like one of those continuing education designations. Um, and we deal in attorneys actually, we yeah. deal in contract. Yeah. So an insurance contract is literally written by attorneys yep. who are at multinational companies and they have all these resources to expend and you're supposed to understand how those contracts function. It's not as easy as just all sell insurance. Yeah. Well, I got referred earlier this year, we got referred that Mediterranean bakery. Yeah. Um, that was having a really big problem with their workers comp. And I was talking to him about terms and challenges that he was having and just things that were really basic mm -hmm. to uh, employee claims and injuries that they were experiencing on the job. And I said, you know, your, your broker hasn't talked to you about this. And he said, well, my CPA. Yeah is who I placed my my workers' comp insurance with. Yeah. And I said, you're- Gosh, you're it's just such a recipe for disaster. Yeah, Nothing absolutely. Successful and so we're there having constructive conversations about risk, safety in the workplace, and how to help you know manage these things that are causing him a little pain and, and jacking up his, his, his insurance rates, rates yeah, yeah. like crazy. And he's sitting there saying, nobody's ever talked to me about yep. this before. It's, too, it's a common story that we hear, yeah. you know, and CPAs, uh, payroll companies, they try and get into the game because it is lucrative. Yes. But you gotta know what you're doing. Well, and if you're buying workers' comp through a payroll company, you have to understand that they are a payroll company through and through that happens to do workers comp. Yep. That is not what you're looking for in a product that you are spending tens of thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars on because those costs can go up significantly if it's not done right. Would well, be asking me to be a mechanic on your car. I know the terms. Yeah. And I know roughly where they are. But I don't I don't do it well, you know, so it's the same thing. It's the same concept. They're just dangerous enough. Yeah. And uh, we were kind of like that in the life insurance game is when we first started. Right. It's like we were dangerous enough to understand, but we did not want to do it because we knew we could screw people up. So yeah. as we've gotten better at it, obviously, we've been trained. We've done a ton of hours to try and understand it. Product knowledge, talking with carriers. Yeah. We've gotten to the point where we're effective. Yes. A lot of people just stay here and I'll just, I'm just going to sell it. I'm not yeah. going to get all this continuing education. I'm not going to understand how this functions. It's yeah. just really tough for people sure. because of the stigma that insurance does have. Yeah. Now we're trying to change it. Right. And we really put that out there. We won't work with clients who are like, just give me the cheapest thing possible. Yeah. I don't care if that, that, that's a coverage I need, take it out. Yep. We let those clients walk out the door. We're like, we are not a good fit for you you're gonna have a bad experience. Yeah. And just like going to a restaurant, having a good waiter, serving you good food, it's a great client experience. We wanna be that on the insurance side, so. Yeah, at its core, insurance is investing in the future. It is. And so a lot of people wanna talk about investing, buying assets, you know, accumulating wealth, and they should, but they have to understand. It's bigger than just a, a liability. Yeah. It's just bigger than an expense on a, on a spreadsheet. And so. every wise investment advisor, every wise wealth manager is gonna tell you that insurance is a necessary so part important. and a tool 
tool really to be wielded um, in a in a good investment portfolio. Totally, and we're balanced. We don't try and sell the world to people. We know that hey, yeah. like we've told people, you don't have that risk. I yeah. know you're calling me about it. You do not have a professional risk. You don't right. have a, this risk. Like. It's cool that you're asking and it's really good, but yeah. I'm not going to take your money. Um, we do the coverage for a large auto modifier. They chop, they modify, uh, they weld, they yeah. customize, um, and they get a constant, you know, constant request for different types of coverages on contracts. And I'll just exactly. you know, look at the CFO and be like, hey, this doesn't fit. You know, yeah, what we don't want to just take your money. Yeah. yeah. Like, let's have a conversation with the person who's designing this contract so I can we'll explain to them, to them, you know, why do they the don't need these different things. We do it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, again, we do things at a high level. We really want to make that known. And you'll see if you come to us and say, I just want you to bare bones it, we're going to be like, sorry. Like yeah. we have someone you can call for that yeah. and they can go take that liability because we just do not. Yeah. And I say this all the time. I really like my life. Yeah. I got four kids. <laughs> I got a, I got a house. I got a nice car. I, yeah. I got free time times at church, a Bible study. Like I don't want to mess any of that up. And for me, it's a huge liability for me to take on yeah. stuff where people are like, just push the envelope and you know, yeah. take coverages out. It's not going to happen. Well, and I think a big part of what we've done is help educate people as well on what proper structure is for their insurance. So yeah. we insure a large clothing wholesaler. They went from little to big real fast. Real fast. And they had $7 million in insurance coverage on all of their warehouse inventory. Yep. And they had a $5,000 deductible on it. And he was hesitant to increase coverage on his property because he said it's going to be really he needed 15, right? So he needed like he needed 15 million. And he was coverage. like, he's like, it's going to be too expensive because, you know, I want my deductible to be low. And I said, well, right now you have to understand you have 7 million in coverage with 15 million in inventory. You have an $8 million deductible mm -hmm. right now. And so helping him understand you know, a, a deductible, even if we ramp it up to 50 grand, still smaller liability, still smaller liability. And a, and a $50,000 loss is an inconvenience to a multi-million dollar business, but an $8 million loss, it's is, done. You're is over catastrophic. It's over. Yeah. So in that way, trying to help clients think, um, constructively and creatively about how to manage these different risks. We also do a lot. So I've now had a couple businesses go from small to large to selling to yeah. for large amounts. There is always this like bell curve to where they got to change from a small business mindset to where this is just an expense that I can't afford to this like middle to large where it's like, this is a liability I can't sustain because you're yeah. taking huge risks. Yeah. Right. One of these clients was buying 50 to a hundred vehicles at a time, yeah. which they were taking huge liability loans out for that. Right. Yeah. And they're, you're going, Hey, if, if I mess up on it, this is a high interest loan. I'm personally guaranteed. Like yeah. it's over. Yep. So we do a lot of coaching on like, Hey man, you need to think about this different. Yeah. And now that we've been around a lot of money too, we're not playing in the small business, you know, uh, sphere all the time. Yeah. It's really comfortable for us to be like, Hey dude, 50 grand isn't a big deal. Right. And it's not like we yep. deal in huge numbers now, especially when you got people securing, you know, million dollar SBA loans, leveraging their house, their life insurance, all of it. You know, everything. Yeah. It's like, these are conversations that have to happen have to help to happen. people think creatively yeah. about risk. As far as, um, what we're doing for like the life cycle of insurance that we kind of touched on that. Yeah. Um, how do you see that playing out? We want to recognize that cost is important. Of course. You know, from the jump, obviously everything is, you know, there's only one way, you know, to, to build a business to see their, reduce cost or increase revenue. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we want to help people keep costs down in the beginning. Um, but then, you know, eventually they have to look at insurance as, okay, this actually manages, a risk that I have an exposure that I have to my own personal wealth. Mm -hmm. And so we have to start thinking 
bigger picture. When do you think that comes in as far as like, if you had to pick a net worth, I've always thinking in that, like once you're in that million ish yeah. net worth, you got to start looking at life a lot differently. Yeah. Because a business that grosses, you know, $250,000 a year is looking at it very differently than a business that grows is even 1.5 million. Totally. Um, you know, a, a $5,000 policy to a small business owner is a big expense. It's a big expense. It can be. And so, yeah. So I would say, I would agree with you. I think around a million dollars, um, they need to start thinking bigger picture. Yeah. And we talk about health insurance, which comes up, you know, on top of it, you get big enough and you're like, well, I need to attract and retain people. Yeah. So usually you go from, I'm not offering that. I'm just going to try and bootstrap it to that million dollar mark. Yeah. And then you're like, man, I'm working all these people that are with me to the bone and what do they have really outside of a salary? Yeah. So then we come in with the health insurance piece and say, Hey, like you probably need to offer this. Yeah. You should think about a simple IRA for your people to yep. and do an investment matching for them. Well, like, the, the question to an employer is, you know, who is the last person that you would want to walk in your door today and, and quit? say bye. Yeah. And quit. And then asking a business owner, what is, what are the plans that you have in place to make sure that that doesn't happen? Mm -hmm. Because then we start thinking about key employee, you know, coverage, and this is the life cycle part. You're transitioning out of the small business phase of right. like, I'm just surviving. This needs to be as little as possible to how do I grow it in a way to where yeah. I'm keeping good people. And we know human capital is, is the driver yeah. of how businesses grow. Yeah. There's no way around it. You can, you can talk all this technology, but it's the people. Nothing will kill a business faster than their employees quitting at rapid rates. Yep. Because then how do you grow? How do you service customers? Mm -hmm. It just becomes an impossible hill to climb if you don't have good people. Yeah. So we start implementing, like you were just about to talk about the key man life insurance. We we're yep. talking about IULs for these people that yeah. instead of paying them a $50,000 bonus, buy them an IUL policy. It's an expense to the business. Yeah. And, you know, in 10 years, they'll have... X amount of hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. in it. And by the time they're 65, it's worth millions of dollars. And all you did was put in 50, 100 grand in bonus to it. Yep. And you know, it, these are all the things that we look at differently. Yeah. And, and it's a, it's a selective benefit that you can do for select employees. Of course. Some yeah. people want to call it a, a discriminatory benefit and that's okay too. It's just, I think discriminatory has a, has a negative it's a connotation it's a bad to lawyer it word. nowadays, <laughs> uh, but selective benefit because um, a lot of business owners think of key man insurance as if somebody dies, yep. I need, you know, some revenue from that person, you know, but the bottom line is actually you need to hold on to that person and, and there's creative ways to do that and create a benefit structure that's going to help them desire to stay with your business long term. Yeah. And then at a certain point, we see them get to like the ultra sizes, right? We have a couple of those where it's like now you're in self-insured programs where yep. not only are you considering how to use insurance, you're actually looking at how to benefit from the insurance. You're your own insurance company. Yeah. You sort of flip the game. You flip on the game. And yep. like and we do really well in that medium to large because we understand the captive space. We understand the middle space. Yeah. We know the small game really well. I yeah. cut my teeth on that, yeah. but it's just not super profitable for us. Yeah. We'll do it. Yeah. And we have teams at the office to do that, mm -hmm. but that's where we see the value provided to our uh, other entrepreneurs. We even talked to one of our larger clients uh, this year that was getting into doing a lot of different things and they had different arms of their companies going different directions that kind of, you know, they kind of worked together, but they scared insurance companies, you know, when a carrier is looking at it and saying, okay, what, what exactly do these people do? Yep. And you couldn't pinpoint it. And so we had long conversations with them about dividing totally. up their arms. And you had to sit down and say, you can numbers. be a gunslinger. We just need to do this in a way that kind of makes sense yeah. as a 
a gunslinger yeah. and then we can, you know, keep doing what you're doing, but this yeah. is how it has to work. And, and we were right over an attorney. We were. That's true. The attorney said, don't do it. And we were like, this is not going to end well. <laughs> <laughs> and insurance tripled on them, right? Because yeah. it was like, well, nobody will do it except the most expensive carriers yeah. to allow them to do all the different things they were doing. Yeah. Well, and we talked to our attorney who's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and Shout if anybody, James Devine, by the way, if anybody ever wants his contact information, please let yeah, us know. James Devine is a homie. You know, he brought up the point. He said, you know, if everything in the United States ran the way that lawyers want it to run, <laughs> yep. business would not function. Just gridlock. And so we had ongoing conversations with their CPA, with their attorney, and just explaining to them, look, you know, from our perspective, this is this is the best way for them to to manage and run their business going forward. It was a little bit more back end office work for the establishment of totally. it. Totally. But it saved them hundreds of thousands of dollars. I on still their think insurance. this is also where we provide we spent, I don't know how many hundreds, almost a thousand dollars on James, just like, hey, talk to us, yeah. deal with it. You just know, conversations. Just conversations. Yeah. A lot of agencies aren't even willing to spend money on attorney. They're just they'll just give an answer. Yeah. We spend money on attorney fees just to help our clients. Yeah. And we do that with other things too, to yeah. try and expense things that benefit them. Yeah. If you don't take that mindset in insurance, you're going to lose. You're yeah. going to have someone like us roll up on you. Who's paying attorneys, who's yeah. trying to do things the right way. And they're just, we're just going to trounce you. Yeah. You, you want to work with a good attorney when you're on our side, a good CPA, people that can help advise your client. Totally. Um, so I've been talking about the, like the four legs of the horse, right. And yeah. like the financial guy, the CPA, the attorney, I think we insurance guys need to be seen as that fourth leg that holds up the business. Yeah. And again, there's a lot of guys who don't deserve to be that fourth leg. There are a lot of guys and girls who are deserving of that. Yeah. You should be looking for somebody who is implicitly someone you can trust and go, Hey, they have my best interest in mind. It's easier said than done, Yeah. but they're out there. They yep. really are. Well, we've always said, if we do the right thing for our client, money, we're going to make money. Yeah, the money, money is going to take care of itself. So to the point where we've given advice to our own financial hurt, where we know this is, you know, It'll this is going to cut back our commissions and things like that. Um, but it's beneficial for the client, which means it's going to earn itself over 10 times. It will find a way into our pocket eventually. Yeah. 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 And because it's going to build goodwill. Mm -hmm. It's going to generate referrals. People are going to trust us more. It's just a smart way to do business where you have bad brokers that legitimately just want their clients to continue to experience claims because it drives up the cost and then they make more money. It's an easy way. Yes. We talk about this every time. I'm like, yep. if you grow, I make more money, which is how it should be. If you have yeah. claims, everyone's distressed. You're having a bad time. Yeah. I'm having a bad time. I'm making more money. Yeah. But we're all having a bad time. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we, we really want that. And gosh, I think it's a good segue of like insurance in general. What keeps you in it? Because there's a lot of stuff like that where we talk about there's some bad things that can happen. It's not good experiences. Yeah. Like what's keeping you in it? What do you see as the long-term future for us and other people that join Greyhawk? And, you know, what do we provide that you think other people don't? Yeah, I think for us, it's a, um, I have a servant's mindset, uh, servant leadership, helping people. Um, and I have really found a niche in insurance mm -hmm. of just trying to give quality advice yep. that cares for a client and shows that you care for and them. And we're Christians, right? So like, yeah. we're going to have to answer for it at some yeah. point. And we want to be able to kind of serve the Lord through this. And we want to yeah. be good witnesses. We'll be blessing to other people, yeah. which is what, you know, I think we've, is the right thing to do. Yeah. We've enjoyed partnering with, uh, with Christian organizations. Yep. Um, you know, that's been a, that's been a blessing to us, but I think overall, a lot of people just don't understand it. Uh, we've seen people have claims that aren't insured. Um, that was a recent experience yep. that we got referred to a young lady time, who honestly. had gotten into a car accident and she was not insured and she had no understanding as to why she wasn't insured. Um, so but you those think you are, get value long-term out of just that 
providing value to people in that I get regard. a lot of, yeah, I get a lot of fulfillment out of that as a, as an agency um, owner. And even just as an insurance agent, I really enjoy helping people. I think that, you know, now that we're on the, the business ownership and management side, yeah. I think also I enjoy creating a great environment for employees to work, um, you know, hiring good people, inspiring them, um, showing them what it looks like to work hard. Mm-hmm. We have a good time. We do. And we also go, all right, time yeah. to... Yeah. Hey let's guys, time to let's, turn it up. Let's you know, button it up. Let's, let's you know, go. And yeah. I think that's fair. I'm kind of like that. I love to screw around. Yeah. But I also get in those mindsets where it's like, you know, my, my brows are furrowed and I'm like, yeah. you know, working hard and I'm you kind of yeah. looking at me like, are you pissed off? I'm like, no, I'm great. You know, but I'm just, <laughs> I'm in a mode where I'm just yeah. working and yeah. I just, that brings me a lot of joy too. Yeah. So well, Hermosi said that one of his guiding principles for, you know, for running a business is speed is king. And it's like, there's a, a lot, lot of, truth. you know, there's a, a lot of truth to that, especially in our industry where clients have things that they need, they need it done quickly, they need it done right. Uh, we don't sacrifice quality for speed, but we can get it done fast. Yeah. You know, architects, they don't need to respond quickly. They need to draw for a long time and make it beautiful. Yeah. We are not that way. We yeah. need to be able to respond quickly. And we've said 90% of our business is just responding. Yes. Yeah fast as you can yeah. with the right answer. Yeah. But a lot of people be like, I'll get back to you in 48 hours. And I'm like, if you did that to me, I'd be like, that's cool. I'll be with someone, someone else in yeah. 48 hours. It just doesn't work for me. Yeah. So we take that mode. And so like when we're in the office, we have a good time, but we are moving. It, it, it's been shocking to me how many people just don't respond to emails and to phone calls. And so it's you crazy. and I have said, there's tons of money to be made in America. If you will just respond to a phone call or an email, which is crazy. Cause you have your phone in your pocket. Yes. Like it's not that yeah, hard. Yeah, the majority of people yeah. are, you know, have <laughs> their crazy. emails and everything built into their phone. I think mm-hmm. it's just uh, laziness or so complacency too. or, you know, so whatever too. the case may be. Um, probably just a lack of drive as well. Yeah. You know, um, as far as, you know, staying into insurance, like we talk about big vision stuff about being this like large local shop yeah. and almost a small national brand. I yeah. think that we have a lot of um, aspirations to be able to have offices in all, all kinds of different states and, um, we want to buy agencies. We want to be able to scale this to a place where you're like, yeah, those dudes did it right. Yeah. And, um, we would love for Greyhawk to become a household name. Yeah. You know, yeah. In some form or fashion, yeah. um, you know, to a certain extent, we don't want to be this like corporate national brand. Sure. Cause again, I don't want to crush people. And I think sometimes yeah. in corporate America, it's like, well, to get what we need, we're going to squeeze the life out of you. It's a really fair and, point. And yeah. we want kids, uh, you know, we want kids. I mean, I already have a bunch of kids. We want our employees to have kids. We want them to be able to go to baseball games, ballet dances, softball games, you know, go on vacation with your wife. You got a date night cut out early. Like we kind of want our um, long-term legacy to look like somebody who loved on people yeah. um, who was fair, but you know, firm. And that requires a certain goal and mentality that just big business doesn't really fit. Yeah, we want to build it, cultivate it, create a great atmosphere for employees. We want to sell it for a lot of money. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We've talked also about internal perpetuation as kind of our way. And, you know, those are different ways to do things. But um, we, again, because we want to be as big, small shop, so to speak, right? We want our people within to be able to grow them to a place where they can buy it from us. And not just sell it to some private equity firm. We will if we have to. Sure. Um, but that's not our, our number yeah. one. Goal. We don't, we don't want to lose the personal touch. We recognize that, you know, a lot of people moved over to Greyhawk with us because of that personal touch. That. So we yeah. don't want to lose that. I was with my family last year at Disney world and one of my larger clients was taking a pretty significant increase, mm-hmm. um, on her insurance. And yeah. I'm standing like next to space mountain, having this conversation with her and I'm talking to her on the phone and she was like, where are you? And I'm like, I'm at Disney World in yeah. Florida. And she was like, why are you calling me? And I said, because you're important. 
you are important. Yeah. Like this, and it wasn't you know, any sweat off your back. Like no. it wasn't ruining your vacation yeah. in any way. So yep. that's such a big benefit <laughs> to, to what we do. I was in Mexico and we had like a little cyber attack and I had that's some true. stuff going on. I'm on a boat. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I've, I'd, I'd had a couple margaritas and I was like, <laughs> wait, what just happened? And I was on my phone. It didn't ruin anything for yeah. me. And like, again, I'm okay with working. I can, I can put yeah. my nose to the grindstone and go yeah. for it, but it's just, that's the beauty of insurance. Like yeah. it's stressful at very small increments of time. Yeah. Otherwise it's like, this is pretty cool. Like it's a, it's a good gig. Yep. Yeah. But the ability to work remote, handle problems, all of those I'll things. Hire, I'll hire anybody from anywhere. Honestly, yeah. if you're good at your job, yep. it's more than just business for us. I think we're friends, you know, we have a really good relationship. Um, what do you see? I mean, this is for everybody, right? For who's looking to partner, which I, we think is a great idea in yeah. general, uh, especially for believers. I know a lot of people might have a different opinion of that. We've had those people. Yeah. Um, what was the, like, this will work from a long-term perspective as with a friendship and, you know, being believers in Christ? I think a lot of it is uh, being self-aware. I think both of us can be very transparent and candid, not just with each other, but with ourselves about where our strengths and weaknesses lie. Yeah. Um, for me, that was the, that was the biggest part of evaluating it. I just looked at it and said, I have weaknesses in a, B and C area. And Charlie has strengths in a, B and C area. So just being able to evaluate yourself honestly, uh, which a lot of people struggle to do. They just, they don't want to be an entrepreneurial strength. What you know, you do well and what you don't are huge in how you scale your business. Yep. Yeah. You have to be able to look inside and say, this is an area where I I don't thrive, whether it's because you don't like it. Right. Or you're is, bad at it. Or you're bad at right. it. Right. Um, and, and either one is sufficient enough reason to partner with somebody who is good at those things. Yeah. Because otherwise the business is going to struggle. It's going to struggle. And again, we're trying to get places fast. You're just holding yourself up. Yeah. Right. And I'm extremely self-aware of yeah. who I am and who I'm not. Yeah. I think that was very clear even before when I was younger, I knew what I was and what I wasn't. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes I was made to feel bad about who I maybe wasn't. But, um, you know, like I think God made me this way and like, I just got to play to my strengths. I've always felt like that was what I did really well. Um, and you know, we just want to, I think on our end, have people understand that like we do have a really well buttoned up shop because we're hypercritical of ourselves and, um, you know, we're really fair. We do a good job and that's kind of just a general intro to us, I think on the podcast and, um, I think it's time for us to kind of wrap it up, but. Um, you're going to see more of these episodes. It'll be a little bit more entrepreneurial pushing forward as to concepts, but we just wanted to introduce you to us and who we were. And you'll see some clips on Instagram and uh, Facebook and all that good stuff to try and provide some value from some of the snippets. But we really appreciate you for listening to the Risky Assets podcast, episode one. Look out for episode two coming very soon. Thanks, y'all. See y'all. Take care.